God a clap offering for that. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing this morning. And God, we will, we will not be outdone by creation. Creation won't praise you more than we will praise you. It just won't be that way. But God, I just thank, again, I thank you again for the opportunity to do so. And to do so in such a fashion, Lord, where we're in a safe place. Like we just know that, Father, you're here. And what's in us is coming out of us, and that's a good thing. It's an okay thing. We're not worried about what we look like. It's a safe place to just praise your name, just to worship you, Father. And so, Lord, as we continue this morning, I pray for more of your anointing. I pray for more of your uh, spirit, for your fire to fall down. That's what I pray for this morning, Lord. For your fire to fall down from heaven, Father, and burn up anything that is not yours. Burn up anything that is not from you, Father. Cleanse us, if you will. And show us how to be children of God. Give us the courage to do so. So, Father, I thank you. I pray that you're in this building more and more throughout the duration of this service. That you just increase, Father. Increase. We love you. Oh, man, do we love you. Oh, my goodness, do we love you. And, Father, we thank you for your character. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Man, we got some worshipers in here. I'll tell you what. That's good stuff. Uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, we are going to be continuing here in the book of Romans. But I, I, I really want to be led in this moment by the Spirit and, and really what the Lord is doing in this room right now. And so, yes, we're going to jump into Romans. Yes, we're going to continue with chapter 12. Last week we took a little bit of a, a break from that simply because it was Christmas Family Sunday. But before that we actually opened up chapter 12 with verses 1 and 2. I'm going to reach back just a little bit and grab those two verses as we go now through verse 8. Um, but I don't know, I feel, like, I feel like Jesus is just, he's here this morning. Um, and uh, what he wants to do with that, I don't, I'm not entirely sure quite yet. But I do know that it's on the level of transformation and healing. And um, you walking out of here added to, encouraged, built up. Uh, because uh, he wants to show you really how he made you. And in that, let what's in you come out of you. You guys hear me say that all the time. All the time. What's in you coming out of you. Uh, and, and this just coincides with the, with the message this morning about these gifts. That if I was to be able to look at each one of you guys in the eyes and like sit you down, obviously I can't do that on a Sunday morning, <laughs> and just like preach to you, not hit you in the head with the Bible, but hey, say, look, I... Um, there is a, there's an individual, an individuality, if, you, if I use that word correctly, in this room, in each person. You guys are so unique, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to go there and, and point out the uniqueness, because some people might be mad at me. But all of it is good. All of it is good. The uniqueness is so, the spectrum is so, ah, oh man, colorful. But I'll tell you what, when one of those pieces isn't there, the color seems to fade just a little bit. When one of those pieces isn't functioning properly, the overall functioning of the body begins to deteriorate. But I want to start out by saying that for any of you guys in here to have at any point in your life had anybody tell you that you were insignificant, Man, I come against that in Jesus' name. Any situation in this world that has communicated to you that you are somehow a second-class citizen, 
mm-mm. Or that because of some things that you've done in your past that all of a sudden, oh, well, guess what? I'm not worthy of such and such. I'm not able to experience the fullness and the greatest because I've done something to blemish, whatever. Whatever the case may be. If that has happened in the church, I ended service with this last service. I'm opening it up with this, this service. If it has happened from a leader in a church somewhere else, then I, on behalf of that leader, apologize. Like, it's not supposed to be that way. If you've been hurt in some shape, form, or fashion by somebody who said something that what's in you is, is not important, that's not the truth. You are so important. I don't even think you realize how important you are. Like, I don't think you do. I don't think you realize how important you are. <laughs> but what would it look like if we did? Not in a place of vaulting ourselves up to a higher level, as in we lord ourselves over people. That's not it. We're going to read that today. But if you really knew how important you were and how important your peace was to the proper working of each individual part, to build up the body in love, who is the, who, who Christ is the head, that's in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. If you really saw yourself as important that way, that we can't do it without you. I want you to know that. That's something that Beck has said quite a bit. Somebody comes in the church and you look at them and you say, man, six months down the road, you realize how did we ever function without them? Well, because their peace is so unbelievably important. And it's the fullness of Christ coming out of somebody. That's the peace. It's not a limping version kind of patched up in one peg leg and a crutch and all that. The fullness of Christ coming out of each individual. I can't imagine what the body of Christ would look like if it was that. Are you with me this morning? Now, how did we get to the beginning of Romans? Basically, as we have already opened it up two weeks ago, Paul's done talking about doctrine. He's done talking about this is who Christ is. He's done talking about this is why we are saved. He's done talking about here's why we believe what we believe. Chapter 6, 7, and 8. Uh, justification, sanctification, glorification. The chapters before that basically saying the gospel puts everybody on the same playing field. He's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to the Gentiles saying, Jews, wake up. Gentiles, don't think too highly of yourselves. It's because of the Jews' rejection of the gospel that you are now carrying this thing. And to be honest with you, it wasn't theirs to carry. It wasn't the Gentiles' job to carry the gospel to the rest of the world. It was the Jews. And then chapters 9, 10, and 11 is about God's sovereignty. Basically saying, look, the Jews rejected me. You rejected me. But I'm coming after you. I'm still going to have my people. I'm still going to let my will be perfect. And let my plan come to fruition. No matter how far in left field the Jews decide to go, well, what does that mean for us? No matter how far gone you are, you may know it or not know it. The Lord is sovereign. And we get to a place in our reading of the word that we have to say to ourselves, you know what? Because I trust who God is, that I may not understand what's going on in the word, but I trust that Christ would never take anything and make it contradict itself. God's sovereignty. I have to trust that his word is his word. That my word... Yes, the Lord gives us free will in our own opinions. Amen. Some people like to offer their opinions quite a bit. <laughs> but our opinion doesn't beat up the foundation of who Christ is and leave it deteriorated and all of a sudden it crumbles. The foundation of Christ can beat up our opinions and beat up the way that we think about things. And I don't want to say beat up. Let me just say this. Get it in alignment. Let's say it that way. Because that's a little bit more constructive. <laughs> but we get through all of that. Chapters 1 through 11. And there's a whole bunch of doctrine and, and just information and facts about who Christ is. And the question for this morning is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? I'm 
began this whole service by saying, everybody in here has a gift. You do. And it's specific to the body of Christ. Now my question is, what are you doing with your gift? What are you doing with it? And I asked you maybe two or three weeks ago, are you growing? Are you growing because of the revelation of Christ? And that being the only thing that speaks to you and, and, and grows you. Well, if he's speaking, he's giving you something that is basically, how do I say this? When he speaks to you, he speaks to the gift that's inside of you. When he speaks to you, he speaks to what he placed right in here. And my question for you this morning is, are, as you, as you sit right here at the end of the year, the end of 2017, take an assessment and say, man, what have I done with what God's given me? That's a sobering question. Because I'll tell you what, as I go down the list, I'm like, yes. And then there's some other things, I'm like, oh, nothing. I haven't done anything with that. Go through an entire week thinking about, man, did I use my gift? Sometimes you can say yes, sometimes you can say no. But my question for you this morning is, what are you doing after he just said, here's who I am, here's how I saved you, here's how I've justified you, here's how I've set you apart, here's how you're to glorify me, here's how I'm sovereign. Okay, now what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with it? I remember saying last, or excuse me, two weeks ago, that as Christ did what he did on the cross... Imagine if Jesus was sitting across the table from you. And he slid across the table this picture of his bruised and torn up back. Blood everywhere. The cross. That whole picture. He said, this is what I've done for you. What would we slide back across the table? Would we slide something back across the table that's not worth his time? Did he overpay for what he's getting in return? That's a big one. Sometimes he is. I mean, straight honest with you, sometimes he is. But we get up to chapter 12, and Paul's done talking about doctrine, and he's saying, here's how you practically live this out. Anybody in here ever struggle with their purpose? Like, what's my purpose on this earth? What am I supposed to do on this earth, Lord? Just someone say something to me. You know, there was a while back, uh, three, four months ago, the message on that brought us to a, a word in the word and that word was purpose and there was a Greek word behind that and the, the Greek word behind that I can't remember it off the top of my head um, I'd have to go back and look at my notes but there was a few definitions of that word and one of them was one word called showbread I'm thinking purpose showbread what does that mean so you go back to the Old Testament and you see that it was a mode of operation or a way of honoring the Lord within the tabernacle that they would set up this table in the holy place and 12 loaves of bread would sit on this table all day. And it was representative of the 12 tribes of Israel and all those 12 loaves of bread were to do which is just set in front of the Lord. Now if purpose was connected to the showbread then what was that saying to us? That your purpose okay at the foundation of it is to simply be in Christ's presence 24-7. To fight to get to that place. 24-7. That is your purpose as a human being. Your calling may be different. What you're called to while you're in the presence of the Lord might be different than the next person. Your gift while being in the presence of the Lord might be different than the next person. Are you chugging with me this morning? Yeah. So, Paul gets, again, done talking about doctrine, and the very first thing he starts going into in this practicality of taking what we've been given and actually living it out, he starts talking about service. So not only are we supposed to sit in Christ's presence 24-7, but what he put in us, ladies and gentlemen, is not for us. It's not for you to keep. It's not for you to kind of just pack and insulate around this thing and not share it with anybody else. Our number one purpose on this earth is to serve Christ and to glorify Him in everything that we do. Now your calling might be different. How you serve, how you glorify Him might be different from person to person. And I'm, I'm sitting here trying to tell you that, hey, guess what? 
how you serve is so important to the body of Christ that when you serve, it creates a proper working. So please, don't stop serving. Don't ever stop giving. Don't ever stop letting what's in you come out. Are you with me today? Okay, so I'm going to read the scripture. And you can see the title, Serving God Perfectly. Is that even possible nowadays, to serve God perfectly? I'm here to tell you yes, yes, and yes. Absolutely. In and of ourselves, I don't think there's anything that we can do separate from Christ. Nothing. So when it comes to serving Him in a perfect way, He is the... Man, this is such a weird analogy. He's the gas in the gas tank that makes the gift go. The gift is there. It can sit in the driveway. It can be covered. It can be uncovered. You can roll it down the street. It'll hit something. It won't go very far. But as soon as you put gas in that car, man, that thing is off and running and it does what it's supposed to do. Being able to serve God perfectly is the same way. We can't do it unless He is in us and He is working through us. So let's read this right quick as we continue this morning. This is verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. In verse 3 it says this, For through the grace given to me, Paul, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of, the, of his faith, if service in his serving, and he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Eight verses right there. Let's speak to a couple of different things. If we have the understanding, ladies and gentlemen, that my purpose here on earth is to serve. Our purpose here on earth is to serve the throne of God. We have all of this information about who Christ is. And he's asking us a question, what are we going to do with that? And I used the analogy a little bit ago that we have this university over here or if you've been to high school or any institution where there's a, a textbook, you read the textbook, you read the book, then guess what? You're supposed to take the test. Hopefully you pass all the tests, you get the diploma. If you don't pass the test, you don't get the diploma. It can be up here. But then what? The reason why you're there to learn, I got my degree in construction management. I sat at a desk listening to a bunch of people talk so that I could get a degree and then go do what? Build something. And the reason for that was this. We had some structural classes in, in uh, construction management. And they helped us understand load properties. That, hey, you can't just, you know, build something on toothpicks because what if people decide they want to come into the house? It's got to be able to hold all the people, right? It's an applied thing. You don't learn that stuff just to hang on to it. You learn it to apply it. We've learned who Christ is to apply it, and he's applying, Paul's speaking to us saying, apply it like this. That if you are to serve, and your entire life is wrapped around the gift that the Lord has put in you, letting that come out, and letting it glorify Him, then there's got to be a time of preparation for that. 
Does that make sense? You guys hear me when I say that? Time of preparation. That's, the, that's one of the three Ps I think I will give this morning when it comes to serving. You want to serve God perfectly? You've got to prepare to do that. Not only do you have to prepare yourself, He will prepare you. But just like these, these first two verses say to us, if we can get those up on the screen, um, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Again, the Lord pushed across the table His life. What is the most reasonable exchange is to push yours back across the table as well. In everything that we do, saying, hey, you know what, Lord, like, this is not my body. This is not my brain. This is not my house, family, church, ministry. When we have that um, narrative in our mind, that, man, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want to do with my life. No, it's my house. I'm going to do what I want. My house. Or I can get on a, a, a tip and say, this is my church. I'm going to do what I want with my church. Or this is my ministry. All of those things put the responsibility and the, the kind of the, the onus on you. Which leaves you in a place where you can be massively disappointed. Because it, those things were never yours to carry. Do you know that your gift was never yours to walk in by yourself. Your gift was meant to have Jesus right next to you while you're walking in it. So when he says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, change your narrative to this. Lord, this is your life. Lord, this is your body. Lord, this is your church. This is your family. This is your significant other. My husband, he's yours. My wife, she's yours. And then guess what? The Lord, because... No, let me say it like this. He has the freedom to do whatever he wants with whatever is his. And if it's all his, let him do what he wants. Because we look through Scripture and all Scripture points towards the Lord working everything out for the good of those who love Him. So let Him have what's His, your life. Let Him have what's His, your body. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. If you want to prepare to serve Christ perfectly, give Him your life as a sacrifice. And then it continues by saying, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Now again, we, we, we got more in-depth with this two weeks ago. But I'm just going to touch on surface with these. Being conformed versus being transformed. Anybody ever get really uh, frustrated with whatever situation you're in and the culmination of, well, I guess the, the statement that comes out of your mouth at any given moment in that situation is, don't, don't, don't put me in a box. Like, you don't know me. Stop putting me in a box. You don't know all of what I'm capable of, right? Don't hem me in. Do you know that the world is trying to do that to you? It's saying, let me, let me take your thinking. Let me take the way that you operate. Let me take the way that you handle your brother or your sister, your mother, your father, your wife or your children, your husband, your own life. And let me tell you how to do it. Let me put you in this box. Let me conform you to how you're supposed to react. To that, hey, guess what? You got these gifts. Great gifts. But there's some other things in the world that you don't really want to let go of because you don't really know if you can. See, that's the world's thinking. Operate in the church. Try to touch heaven while keeping one foot on the earth. That's what the world tries to tell us to do. Try to get as close to God as you possibly can while keeping one foot kind of down here. That's what the world's trying to do, put us in that box. But what the, the Lord is saying is, you want to prepare to serve me perfectly? Don't, not only present your bodies as a living sacrifice, all of you as a living sacrifice, but be transformed, okay, which means completely made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Hallelujah. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So not only do we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, but all of what the world is telling us to do with this body that's supposed to be ours, we cut ties with that. And we're transformed by what we think so that we can prove the will of God to be perfect. That's our purpose. It's to serve so that His will can be proven perfect. That's the preparation. You want to prepare to serve God? Give up. Okay? Number one, give up. Number two, change how you think. Concentrate on those first 11 chapters. Honestly, Genesis to Revelation. All 66 books. All of how Christ deals with people. All of uh, how he's so interested in a relationship all the time. All the time. Are you with me this morning? So there's the preparation to serve when we're serving God perfectly. But what again, and I think I've already, I kind of jumped to this point maybe a little bit too soon, but it doesn't matter. Cat's out of the bag. Verses 3 Verse 3 says this. We get into here the purpose of serving. Um, in these verses, as I've already communicated, it says, For through the grace given to me, Paul, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, real quick, can we go to 1 Corinthians 14, 12? Um, Get that up on the screen right there. Paul's jumping in talking about some gifts here. For whatever reason, in the body of Christ, we are, how do I say this, very interested and attracted to people who are gifted. Oh man, you're so gifted on the stage. Oh man, you're so gifted in prayer. You're so gifted in taking care of children. Your gift, your gift, your gift. <laughs> spiritual giftedness does not mean spiritual maturity. Spiritual giftedness has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. Because your spiritual giftedness can take you somewhere that your spiritual maturity cannot hold you. So what is the issue? The issue is spiritual maturity. The issue is knowing where that gift came from. The issue is knowing who you are in Christ. The spiritual maturity is what? Romans 1 through 11. What are you doing with what you just got communicated? What are you doing with what Christ has given to you? Spiritual giftedness has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. If I was to use myself as an example, I was a worship pastor for six years here. And if I really honed in on all of those skills, you know, I could probably put out a CD or go on tour, which would only be around like Fort Collins because I don't really like driving places and setting up and tearing down and all that, whatever. But you get what I'm saying? Like if I put time in, like I could make it big and extravagant and lights and streamers and fog machines and all that stuff. But if I didn't grow in Christ in the middle of all of that, then I would just be a glorified singer performer on stage. Because I would get to a place where I'm out in front of people and I'm praising Jesus and saying, here's what we need to do when it comes to worship and here's how we worship and being an example of that. But behind closed doors, it resembles nothing like that. Nothing. Your spiritual giftedness can take you somewhere that your spiritual maturity can't hold you unless your spiritual maturity is deep in Christ. Deep. And that's what the end of this statement in chapter uh, um, 12, verse 3 says. But this right here, so, oh, I'm sorry, go back to uh, the other one, the cross-reference. Uh, it says, so also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Walk up to a guy and say, oh, my great message, great message. Oh, it's all Jesus. But inside I'm like, mm, yeah, knock that one out of the park. The Lord's like, I didn't put you up there for that. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts. Here's what he's saying the spiritual gifts are for. Seek to abound for the edification of the church. You know what that means? It means your gifts aren't for you. It means your gifts are for the edifying of the body of Christ. That is the only reason the 
that they are in you to build up the church. Now, okay, you know, I got my degree in construction management. Does that mean that I can go downstairs and build some walls and put some drywall up, put some insulation, electrical? No, we're not talking about literally building the church. What are we talking about? People, right? I'm talking about brick and mortar, exposed beams, cool windows. I'm talking about the person sitting right next to you. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is for, literally, the person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, people sitting in front of you, edifying the body of Christ. Are you with me this morning? So if we can move from being spiritually gifted to, Lord, where's my spiritual maturity? Just think about how, how much more powerful this body in here would be. Now, we get into verse 3. And he's speaking about those who kind of vault themselves up to a little bit higher of a place because of what's been put in them. Saying, for though the grace, okay, something that has been given to you that you did not deserve or earn. This is Paul being an example of what I just got done saying. The grace given to me, I am going to say to everyone, the grace given to Paul, Paul's gift was as an apostle. That was not from him. There's nothing he did to earn or deserve that. But what he's saying is, guess what? God's unmerited favor is working within me. And I'm going to say something to who? Everyone. Everybody say everyone. And who does that include? Hey, yo, got it. So we could say believers and non-believers alike. People who are spiritually gifted. Everybody in here is spiritually gifted. But those who think they're more spiritually gifted than the next. Says this. I say to everyone among you to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment. What is sound judgment? It's basically coming to a conclusion that is, in and of itself, sound. I mean, we can use the word to define the word. Coming to a conclusion. What conclusion have you come to after 11 chapters of reading about who Christ is? Have you come to a conclusion saying that what he's put in me, and oh, oh, I'm just this guy up here, and it's great, and I am just so much better than anyone else. He's mm. saying, look, in order for this sound judgment or your judgment in and of itself to be sound and not unsound, I want you to have a correct view of yourself. That's what that's saying. Not only don't think too highly of yourself, but also don't think too lowly of yourself. Because what pride can do is saying, well, you know what, if I walk into this place and it can't be the way that I want it to be, and it's not as extravagant and lights and motorcycles jumping in the background and fireworks going off all over the place, I'm just not going to do it. See, that's prideful. Don't think too highly of yourself, but also don't think too lowly of yourself that your gift is not important. That if it can't be the way you want it to be, or I want it to be, that you're just not going to give. See, that leaves the church walking with a limp. Does that make sense? Don't think too highly of yourself, but think. He doesn't say it's bad to think highly of yourself. Because you know what? Don't think of yourself as a second-class citizen. I just, I just got done telling you that. You're not a second-class citizen by any means. But when we take what we've been given and put it above or below where Christ wants it to be, there's an issue. There's an issue right there. Sound judgment. And here's the last part of this verse. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now does that mean, does that mean Sarah Rudisil up here has more faith in Christ than I do? No. That doesn't mean that. Does that mean that her faith is different than mine? Not at all. It means that the faith that has been put in me to walk as a pastor is specific to me. Because he called me to do so. He called me to do that in a way that, hey, whatever gift is in Sarah, I don't have that measure of faith for her gift because her gift is different than mine. But that doesn't mean she doesn't have faith. It doesn't mean I don't have faith. You have to understand that what the Lord has put in you to do, there's a measure of faith for you to do it. For you to disqualify yourself because you're saying, oh, well, I just don't know. I'm glad you don't know. 
Go find somebody who does. His name is Jesus. But he never once gave a gift and intended to give it without him being attached to it. Does that make sense? I don't know how many times at the beginning of my little tenure here as the uh, senior pastor. It's only been two years. I mean, it seems like it's been 20. Huh. It's only been two. I don't know how many times I'd be on my knees praying and saying, Lord, how am I going to get this done? How in the world am I going to build this? And without fail, every single time he says, you're not. I've said this to you guys before. You're just not going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to do it through you. See, that's the measure of faith that I'm talking about. You might have gifting in musical stuff. There's a measure of faith for you in that. Evangelism. There's a measure of faith for you in that. Caretaking. Serving. A whole family of it. There's a measure of faith in you to do that. To a level that strengthens the body. Are you with me this morning? For, again, for, the, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We're still in the purpose of serving. In this verse 4, it says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. First of all, are we all on the same page with how important each piece in here is? Like if I got to take another five minutes and look all y'all in the face, a lot of sitting down in front of the pew in front of you and like shaking your ears and being like, look, <laughs> let it come out. Please, let it come out. Just as I use the analogy with that vehicle, it's the gas in that car that makes that thing run. You can roll it down the street. You can get people on either side of it and push it while somebody in there is like fighting the power steering that's not on and trying to turn the thing super hard. Anybody ever done that? You like put your whole being into turning that thing. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But if there is gas in the car but the wheel ain't working, it's tough. There's gas in the car, but for whatever reason, the transmission just ain't, it's just not getting in gear right, or it doesn't want to come out of third. It's tough. Do you know that when you choose, or I choose, to not operate in the fullness of who Christ is and the gift that he's given us, we give that car, we give the church, we give the body of Christ a limp. Like, there's got to be a sense of ownership with what he's put in you, but also knowing that who you are... It's not you. Excuse me, not for you. Who you are is his to do whatever he wants with. Does that make sense this morning? So again, I got to jump back onto my Bible here right quick. <laughs> for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. Just as much as I can't come to Aaron's house and be like, look, brother, you need me, but guess what? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's not sound judgment. Sound judgment being rooted and grounded in love like we talked about last week. Sound judgment allows us to see each person as one who's originated, excuse me, originated from Christ. But the gift that's in us is so important that we'll get down the road six months from now or even two months from now and we'll look back and we'll say, man, how did we ever do it without him? How did I ever do it without Clay or Jared or Kale? Like, how did I ever get this thing taken care of? How did I ever build this? Well, that gift, I need it. I tell you what, you need mine and I need yours and we need each other's. Does that make sense this morning? See, that's the purpose of serving. The preparation of serving is to present your body as a living sacrifice and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The purpose of serving comes out of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 14, 12. If you're going to be zealous for gifts, let those gifts edify the body. 
The purpose behind serving is that as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend, gifts sharpen gifts. When I see Jared operating his gifts, I'll tell you what, when that boy's back there making that thing sing, I forget what I'm doing. Because I'm listening to the guitar. I do the same thing with Caleb and other drummers that have been here. That I just forget what I'm doing because it sounds so good. And vocalists, harmonize, it just sounds so good. Gifts sharpen gifts. That's the purpose of serving. It's not only for the edification of the church, but who is the church? It's us. It's building the body up in love to the head who is Christ. Amen? But this verse 6, good. We get into the practice. The practice. Again, I asked you a question at the beginning of this message. that said, hey, look, what are you doing with what God gave you? Could you look back on this past week or this past month or this past year and say, I used it for the glorification of the kingdom? Or I used it for building my own house while the house of the Lord lies desolate? That's in Haggai. People come out of exile and the first thing they do is rebuild God's altar and then they get kind of weary and scared. They just get tired. Anybody in here ever been tired? They got tired, so they got to a place where they started building their own house. And they left the house of the Lord desolate because they just stopped serving. We can't leave the house of the Lord desolate when we, when we stop serving. There's, we have to put it into practice. But this verse 6 shows us this. says this. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace, God's unmerited favor, given to us, each of us is to exercise them Accordingly. Accordingly. And then there's a list that goes on here. If prophecy, according to the proportion of its faith, you got service, you got teaching, you got exhortation, you got giving, you got leading, and you got mercy here. I don't know about you guys, um, I've been on this word fullness for a long time long time. And when that verse 6 says that whatever's been given to you isn't for you, um, but to hoard it pretty much is not really what he's asking us to do at all. We have to exercise it accordingly. What does it mean to exercise your gift accordingly? Well, you can go back up to the top of chapter uh, 12. Give up your life. As he, ex the exchange, a reasonable exchange for his life, giving for us is our life for him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have a proper view of yourself. Have a proper view of how much of a king and a queen you are in Christ. But guess what? He loves all his children just the same. And that should come out of us. And then to exercise it accordingly takes all of those and puts them in the same hopper. And what comes out, ladies and gentlemen, is a proper working of each individual part. You want to see it work accordingly? You can read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. That there are these five offices. Okay, it talks about five gifts, five offices that are for the purpose of equipping the saints building up the body of Christ. Till we come to a place where the measure, the, 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 we come to a place where we look like something. And it's the measure of the stature that belongs to, not just Jesus Christ, but it's the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of who he is. See, that's the part I want, the fullness. There are so many opinions about Jesus and what he does and how he does it. Number one, let's just look at the word. But the fullness of Christ to operate means that every gift in this room on this day, all of you who are looking and listening to me right now, you're going to operate in your gift. Don't snuff it out. But that fullness right there, ladies and gentlemen, has a lot to do with not only seeing yourself in the right light, but seeing Christ in the right light. Him being not only a God of justice, a God of authority, but a God of love, a God of grace. I mean, let's just go down the list. Does all of that come out? Or is it snuffed out? 
you with me this morning? My encouragement for you today is to serve God perfectly. You can do that. But there's a preparation to serve Him. We have to understand the purpose behind serving Him. It's not for us. But also the practice of serving is wielding your gift accordingly. And in that accordingly, a proper view of yourself, a proper view of Christ is what's needed. Does that make sense this morning? Good. Good. Let's get our, our worship team back up here this morning as we begin to close. Uh, but does anybody in here, like show of hands, do you know what your gift is? Yeah? Some people do, some people don't. If you don't, guess what? You're not a bad Christian. You're not a bad follower of Christ. It's okay. <laughs> I guarantee that the Lord is in the process of trying to uncover that with you. I would go as far as to say, you know, I saw my, I saw my dad do this with my sister. She's like, man, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what I'm gifted in. And he just sat her down, started talking to her and said, what, what do you, of all the things that you are connected to, what's the underlying theme? What's the underlying theme? And my sister loved to uh, be around kids. Uh, she loved helping people and uh, some other things in there. She's a basketball coach. Basketball, high school basketball coach allows her to not only pour into kids' lives, but also to, I don't know, be in that arena. She loves that. Those are just things that she's passionate about. Okay, and then the only reason I can use my family is because, or use these examples with my family is because they just come to mind. When my mom and dad first got married, my mom was so talented at so many things that she just wanted to do so many things. She wanted to be an actor, she wanted to be an, uh, uh, an artist, she wanted to be all these other things. But she found something that allowed her to do all of them. All of her passions. And I would, I would say with you guys, if you want to find out what your gift is, number one, start on your knees. Start talking to the Lord about it, but find out, think about what really you're passionate about that doesn't involve you. That's the big point. It doesn't involve you being at the center. I'm passionate about closing the door and building things, but guess what? That's all about me. For me, it's helping people, uh, constructing things, uh, whatever. As a pastor, I get to do all of it. I can do all of it. But figure out what you're passionate about and talk to the Lord on it. For those of you who do, or excuse me, for, for those of you who do know your gifts, are you walking in all of it? Or are you snuffing it out? I'm going to ask you this morning that as we close, you guys can come up here. Uh, that if you're on both sides, today can be a day where you figure out what that gift is. I always say as a friend sharpens a friend. Um... Excuse me, iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Once we get done taking up our offering, I'm going to open up this altar. And if you need prayer about stepping into your gift or knowing what your gift is, I want you to come forward. Like, I want you to come forward. This is kind of a, a call to walk in your gift this morning. And if you don't know what it is, somebody coming up and praying for you can only put you one step closer. Because as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend, gifts sharpen gifts. Something might come out of that person's mouth. I'm going to be up here praying with people too. Giving you more direction and definition to what your gift is. Because I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I can't build this. We can't be a strong body of Christ without everybody operating in the fullness of their gifts. We just can't. And why not take a take a step across that line today. Amen. So Father, I just we just thank you for what you're doing this morning. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you will bless this offering. And God, it's such an opportunity to be in the house of the Lord with uh, like-minded individuals. Father, all we want to do is just serve. All we want to do is present ourselves as a living sacrifice that's holy and blameless because of you, Father, so that your perfect will can be proven. 
So, Lord, this morning, as we even serve as we give, God, we know that you're our provider. We know that you made everything under the heavens and on this earth. And all of it is yours anyway. And so as we give, Father, I pray that we do it uh, as worship. We give joyfully, and we give it with a servant's mentality. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can pass that. I just pray that you would speak to us in this moment, not only about what our gifts are, but Father, how to walk in them, how to be a strong and confident individual in what you've put in us. And then Lord, maybe we need prayer on uh, the courage enough to let that gift come out and work properly. So Father, we love you. Thank you. I just pray that the Holy Spirit guides this time.